and welcome to episode 17 of the Graph Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. We are on the precipice of the Ryder Cup, the emotionally charged match between the 12 best players in the U.S. and the 12 best from Europe. Normally, we get to witness this spectacle every two years, but because of the pandemic, it has been three long years since the Ryder Cup, and now it's finally here, taking place September 24th through the 26th at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. This is a pretty exciting time in the golf world, and there is a lot of drama coming into these matches. Notably, the U.S. team has multiple injury concerns, drama with Bryson DeChambeau participating in a long drive contest the day after the Ryder Cup ends, Brooks Kepka giving quotes that suggest that he's maybe not all that committed to the team concept, and the lingering option of whether a 13th player will get added to the team if another player is to drop out for injury or COVID reasons. And should that 13th player be Patrick Reed, the ultra-polarizing figure who has a penchant for winning Ryder Cup matches, while also throwing some destructive elements into the team room. To break everything down, we brought on Dalton and Dante of the Enjoy the Walk podcast. You can listen to that show wherever you find podcasts and highly recommend that you do seek it out. But in this episode, we talk everything Ryder Cup to get you hyped. Before we get there, just a reminder that you can learn more about Graph Golf, the smart golf ball we are producing, and the analytics platform that comes with it on our website, which is graph.golf. And you can also email us at the club at graph.golf. Okay, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Dalton and Dante of the Enjoy the Walk Pod talking about this year's Ryder Cup. And welcome back to the Graph Golf Podcast. We have a special episode today. We're talking Ryder Cup. We're almost a week out from the match as we record this. Super pumped for what is one of the best events in golf, maybe one of the best events in all of sports. To break it down, we have Dalton and Dante of the Enjoy the Walk Podcast. Before we start, everyone should definitely go and listen to all of their content. A couple of us from Graph. We're on the pod back uh, back on August 18th. Uh, was an awesome time. They've had some great episodes recently, including one with Jason Moore of True Links, where it just came out. So go go back and uh, through through their history of and, and their catalog, and go ahead and, and give a listen to a few of those podcasts. Guys, welcome to the pod. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing this. We're talking to Ryder Cup today. I don't know about you guys. I'm I'm just so pumped. It's been a three-year hiatus. We finally get another one of these. Uh, Dalton, I'm going to start with you. Where would you put this event in your personal excitement ranking when you compare it with the majors or other tournaments that you know you're going to be glued to the TV all the way through? Is this you know at the top of the list? Is it like behind the Masters? Like where where would it fit into into your uh, your pyramid? <laughs> I think it's a tie for me because there's something special about Jim Nance on a Thursday morning getting everyone started at the Masters. Uh, I'm a sucker for the Masters. Their content is unmatched, but. I think it's a it's a head-to-head tie with this, the Masters and the Ryder Cup, because I also will get up at the crack of dawn if it's in Europe or wherever it's at and watch it at 2, 3 a.m. Uh, I'm a nut for this event. I will be in red, white, and blue uh, throughout the entire weekend for this event. Um, I, I bleed red, white, and blue for this event, so it's a very close top, number one. And Dante, I'll ask the same question to you. Where, where is this rank in your hierarchy of golf? I think honestly, it's, I mean, it's very important. It's awesome to see. Um, I guess you can call me a little bit on the Brooks side of things, but I, I do like the majors more um, personally, but I mean, it, it is awesome event to see, you know, 
me kind of just getting into golf and really following it for like the past five or six years. Um, obviously our earlier podcasts, I, I kind of go over that a little bit and kind of my, my entrance into the game. So more of like the opens and the masters and like, honestly, I would say like the opens, I would say it's the opens, the masters Ryder cup, and then like the PGA championship, honestly. I mean, like they said, it's cool that they pushed it to this year to get fans back because honestly, I don't think a Ryder cup's a Ryder cup. If you don't have fans, I think it's just pointless in my opinion, if you don't have fans, because the fans just juice everything up. Obviously you see all the highlights, you see, see the Europeans, you see the U S and they just get fired up because of the fans. And one thing that reminds me is like that one where Rory put a hundred bucks down and the guy drained the putt as he was heckling him. And if that's, that's what the Ryder Cup's all about, in my opinion. Absolutely. No, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think they're going to have about 250,000 fans at Whistling Straits and uh, throughout the week. So it's going to be an absolutely great atmosphere uh, in Wisconsin for this match. So let's, let's get into some of the details here and nerd out. The U.S. is a pretty decent favorite coming into this week. They probably have the deeper collection of talent overall, uh, you would probably say. But we've seen this movie before where the U.S. has better players and they underachieve. Uh, nine of the last 12 Ryder Cups have gone to Europe, some of them pretty decisively. So if you're forecasting this match, I want to get some kind of early impressions from, from both of you. Are you feeling good about the U.S. right now? Are you a little bit skeptical about them? Uh, Dalton, I'll start with you. Yeah, I don't, if you know if this goes out on video, my head was shaking as you were kind of talking about that. I'm very skeptical. Uh, six rookies is very, you know, you don't know how they're going to play. Uh, Justin Thomas, when he talks about his first experience out there, talks about it was the most nervous he's ever been on a first tee. Major championships included, junior golf included, like by far the most nervous he's ever been. And we're putting six guys in that position right off the bat. So how are they going to handle it? How are they going to play what I think is a extremely experienced European team? You look at who's on their squad. There's five, six, seven Ryder cups in some of these guys, like back pockets. I'm nervous for, for how these rookies are going to handle the, the opportunity. And, and Dante kind of, you know, piggybacking off of that, the, uh, not going with Patrick Reed uh, and not going with with Kevin Kisner or Kevin Na on the American side. Uh, did you did you like that? Uh, and, or said another way, do you like the twelve guys who ended up on the U.S. squad? I can say I'm going to back Dalton a little bit here. I'm a little nervous. I'm not a fan of kind of looking over Patrick Reed and looking over the Kisner, who is just a, a stud when it comes to like match play. Um, and then even like Kevin, Nod, just like, he's just like a mastermind when it comes with the putter. Uh, I, it just seems like, obviously, you know, the automatic qualifiers, they, they get in right. And then like the captain's picks. And I was a little hesitant as to, and questioned why, uh, for some of these guys, because if you go onto the European side of things and look at that roster, I mean, you have these guys that are some veteran players, uh, and like, look at like Ian Poulter, like you know, he may like individually may not be one of the best out of that entire team, but that guy is, is Mr. Ryder cup himself. And you need such a like energetic person, one that will fire up the team and just show like his true passion and his true blood for his colors on the course to fire up the rest of the group, the U S they don't have anybody like that. That's actually playing. And that's what kind of worries me. Like, yeah, these guys are good and they can show up and play, but when you're putting yourself into a team event, 
and you need to like kind of put the team on your back in certain cases in regards some of these guys are like trying to get the team fired up to you know follow you there's really no I wouldn't say there's like no leaders on that team but it seems like there's no leadership in that retrospect right right and let's let's go through the U.S. team and I want to get your guys' opinion on a, on a couple of these players in particular so I'll, I'll, I'll roll through the team really quickly Colin Morikawa, the Open champion, uh, has not played well recently. Some some back issues. Uh, hopefully, he will be healthy by the time the Ryder Cup rolls around. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, who is uh, he's headed to a World Long Drive contest uh, right after the Ryder Cup. Very interestingly, Brooks Kepka has also has some injury issues, wrist issues. Uh, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, coming off of the great performance at the BMW and the PGA, uh, the Tour Championship. Daniel Berger, Harris English, uh, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, gold medalist in the Olympics, Scotty Scheffler, probably the, the number 12 guy in, uh, and Jordan Spieth, of course. Out of, out of those 12 guys uh, on, on this U.S. team, uh, who are we most confident in here? I, I guess Cantlay might be an answer uh, because of how well he's been playing recently. Maybe JT because, you know, he won the players earlier this year. But who are we? Who's kind of the the guy that we're, we are relying on here, Dalton? I think, you know, and it's not going to be someone that riles up the crowd. He's not going to be fist pumping with people, but it's going to be Cantley. I think he's just got such a hot hand rolling off the BMW, rolling off the tour championship. And even you look at his, you know, you look at his past year, he had a pretty strong year. He had four wins, including the tour championship. Um, he, he's a hot player right now. And I think when you're looking at guys like Morikawa and Brooks that are struggling with injury, Brooks might not even be a, a factor. He might have to withdraw and it might be a next man up mentality with those guys we just talked about of Captain America or nah, or, or someone else down the line that we aren't even talking about. But I, I think it's gotta be Cantley or JT. Uh, JT has been there four and one Ryder cup record. You know, he kind of, he kind of lives in breeze for this stuff. If, if there's anyone that, closes out matches at a higher ratio. I feel like it's just Justin Thomas too. And he gets that excitement factor that Cantley might not have. Um, so I think you, you got to look to those two as guys that are going to go out and win some matches early. And Dante, you know, what we know about whistling straights is that it's a course that really demands driving distance is kind of the number one variable uh, to, to have success at whistling straights, not so much driving accuracy, uh, we saw this in 2016 at Hazeltine where the U.S. kind of set the course up a little bit easier. We went to 2018 in Paris. Europe made it a little bit narrow with thicker up and kind of played into their strengths with they have a lot more kind of more accurate players off the tee, maybe better putters a, as a whole. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, how this team is going to uh, play at Whistling Straits, uh, a course that really kind of demands uh, the, the long ball and, uh, and they're probably going to set it up with a lot of pins in the middle of greens trying to trying to make birdies, trying to rile up the fans? I think the long ball idea is great, um, as you can see some of the, you know, the roster on this thing. But knowing Whistling Straits and what it can be, it can either be like a bomber's course if it's dry and, and the wind still, but... I mean, if that wind picks up off of the uh, off of the lake, I mean, you're going to be kind of in European territory on your home home course. So it'd be interesting to see how these guys can play depending on the on the conditions of the course that that come through. Conditions of the course and like the weather, I should say, is what comes through. So it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, you can see like, I mean, what comes to mind of whistling straights is I remember just like Jason Day when he won the PGA there and just absolutely nuked the ball. Like, I mean, if the guys can do that with no issue, they they might be able to kind of, 
I, I definitely think they're the underdogs in this one, even though, you know, maybe others may not think that, but they can come out and probably win. Well, and Dante, you made a great point, which I didn't even realize on the, on Whistling Straits' website, they define their yeah. golf course as open, rugged and windswept terrain. You and I both agreed that screams open championship golf. It screams Ireland. It screams Scottish. It screams, you know, it screams something of a European nature. It doesn't really scream like, Hey, this fits our bombers in the United States. It'd be interesting to see it. It really all depends on who shows up. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see Jordan Spieth played well in that 2015 PGA championship, uh, almost, uh, almost winning finishing runner up to Jason day. So it'll be, it'll be pretty interesting uh, in, in terms of, some of these partnerships that we could expect to see from the U.S. I think, you know, there are a couple that stand out. I think JT and, and, and Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, they've had success in, in previous Ryder Cups. Uh, obviously, they have a long history together. Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley have had a history in Presence Cups of playing well together. Uh, should, should those uh, four, uh, the, the two partners that I, I just mentioned, should those be a partner should, th- should those four be partners in the uh, in, in this Ryder cup or are there other partnerships that you really want to see out of this I'll, I'll start with you dalton i think they're locks i think you have to put jt and spieth together with just the history they have um you look at their Ryder cup experience together they've typically won like more than 75 percent of the matches they play together so i think that's a lock and i think the cantley uh shoffley one's another lock i think you have to put those guys together their demeanor just matches each other pretty well. Um, the the question I was having, and, and Dante and I were trying to figure this out, who do you put Daniel Berger with, right? Like, who does he fit with? Because I just, I'm looking up and down and up and down. And I just don't see someone who's like a perfect fit for him. I think when you look at Harris English, he'd probably be a good lock for Scotty Scheffler. I think they're both kind of bigger, taller, just they have a demeanor about them that they just kind of it shrugs off their shoulders. So I think those two might match up together, but maybe Berger and Morikawa, the two rookies. I, I don't, I don't know once it gets past that because then you kind of leave Tony Fina out there in the dark and who does he play with? And um, there, there's some answers to be had as far as like if Kepka plays, I think he plays with maybe a, a Berger or a, you know, or, or Morikawa, but there, there's a lot of open opportunities, which I just, I feel bad for Steve Stricker to have to try and make these decisions because other than the two locks right there, I've, I've got no answers. Yeah. It's interesting. Rumors that Morikawa and Finau might be pairing up for, for foursomes, which, which is alternate shot, uh, Morikawa and Spieth an alternate shot, given how great of iron players they are, that, that seems like that would make a lot of sense. Uh, Dante, what, what are your thoughts? Any, any partnerships that you, want to see and i'll throw another one in there what do you do with bryson dechambeau do you play him an alternate shot or do you uh just kind of let him do four ball one i i as you guys are saying i think Berger and Finau would probably be a good fit i don't know why they're just looking at that just you know, if i'm looking at the list here i'm just going to say hey you know put those two together like sometimes you can kind of st- take a step back and just like look at the your roster and be like oh these two can go right together i don't know why i just there's just this something kind of like, I guess you say my gut feeling basically saying that put them two together. I think they might pair off. Well, um, as for DeChambeau, honestly, these guys just need to put the BS beside them in the public relations. Honestly, just put that behind you for like four freaking days. I mean, come on, just put it behind you and just like <laughs> get him out there and let him just do his thing. Like let him play his game. 
Um, I, I think obviously the, the media tends to kind of bring up DeChambeau's like PR more than his ability to come out as a team player. I mean, you've seen it when he was at, was it SMU? I mean, the guy was a, a, a team player. I mean, they, you know, like that's what college golf is all about. I mean, I know he was there for a limited time after their sanctions, but I mean, the guy can play, the guy can play around the team. Like let Bryson DeChambeau be Bryson DeChambeau. He's also an amazing putter. People do not give him credit for how good of a putting uh, of, of a putter he is. Maybe not the, the greatest chipper in the, in the world, but definitely driving and putting. He can uh, he ha- has those two down pretty well at this point. So I, I guess the last question that I want to ask about the U.S. squad, and, and you, you referenced it, Dante, the kind of the uh, some some of these relationships the guys have. Obviously, Brooks and Bryson is the one that kind of come comes out, but we know that DJ and Brooks kind of have an odd history there um there was a lot of tension back in 2018 between them uh we've had tension with patrick reed in the past uh whether he might be the 13th man on the on the squad does does any of that matter in a Ryder cup or is this going to be is this kind of overblown uh dalton i'll start with you i think it's american media man when you look at it american media versus european media it just doesn't get covered the same right like if you try and look up articles of uk-based media sites they just don't cover it the same they don't fan the flame as much as our media does but i think there is something there you look the the Ryder cup on the u.s side has always had these little i don't want to call them scuffles but just like tension points on their team you look at tiger and phil they never wanted to play together when they did it was an absolute disaster (laughs) um and like players down the line top players in the united states just don't mesh well together for some reason i don't know what to put on it other than we're a very individualized sport over here maybe because that's what brooke kepska brooks kepka kind of called it was being that individualized difference and and in a recent you know interview but i think the best thing that can happen in all honesty is Brooks Kepka pulls out because of an injury and someone like Captain America, Patrick Reed comes in and he, and you, you put him with the shimbo They're They're both polarizing figures in their own rights. And they both love playing for the country. I think it puts the in a, in a point where, Hey, I'm going to go get my first win. Cause if you look at his record, he hasn't won a Ryder cup match yet. Um, and then you put him with the guy that's absolutely dominated the Ryder Cup in the last eight to 10 years for the United States. And and somehow I think that combo plays together. Um, and then it kind of frees up the other guys to not worry about this polarizing figure and who do I stuff him with? And, you know, I think that could be the best case scenario, but that's only if Brooks Kepka doesn't play. If he plays, then you've got, like you said, you've got DJ, you've got Brooks, you've got Bryson. You've got these guys that just don't like each other. It's not a secret. And and then you've got to figure out how to keep them away from each other all week long. It's just, I don't feel like that's a great recipe for success, but um, there, there's a lot of moving pieces that has to happen. I think for, for everyone to, to kumbaya and get along. And I don't think that happens inside the U S uh, locker room too often. Definitely Dante. <laughs> I think I know your answer based on what you were saying uh, previously, but I mean, it's just golf, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a sport where they have to go out and just, and they have to perform, uh, you know, that just because they don't like each other, doesn't mean that they can't win this. Right. Yeah. And if you're just going to bring that in there just, you just got to go. And I, after looking at recent Twitter articles today with the whole, the Brooks story coming back up again, and even more to it, dude, just, you know what, just pull yourself out. You're not a hundred percent. Clearly you don't want to be there at, at this point day and age. I mean, you're almost a week away. Dude, just give your 
give your seat to somebody else because someone else probably actually does want that and wants to play in that team setting and really wants to. I mean, like we were talking earlier, you got Kevin Kisner who just absolutely loves like this and is like he wants to play. Like you got guys sitting and looking in from the outside in wanting to be there. And if you have a guy that's like, okay, yeah, he qualified. Cool. Great. But if you don't want to be there, dude, you're clearly not going to perform at your best. Let's move over now to the European side. I'll go through those 12 names really quickly here. Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Terrell Haddon, Tommy Fleetwood, who went 5-0 and with Francesco Molinari in 2018. Molinari not on uh, this team this time. Uh, Rory McIlroy, kind of the, the heart and soul usually of this European squad, normally plays all five matches. Victor Hovland, kind of that next generation coming up for the Europeans. John Rahm, far and away kind of the best player in the world at the moment. Lee Westwood's had a really solid year, had had a couple of great finishes at, at Bay Hill and the players. Bern Wiesberger, a little bit of a surprise uh, getting in as, as an automatic qualifier. Uh, some people thought that that spot was going to go to uh, Shane Lowry as an automatic qualifier. They ended up using a captain's pick on Shane Lowry, uh, Sergio Garcia, and then we know Ian Poulter's history in the Ryder Cup. Uh, when you when you hear that uh, roster, Dalton, who are a couple of guys who kind of stick out as you know maybe the the workhorses for uh, for Team Europe? Everyone. Um, <laughs> it's it's scary, <laughs> but if you look at like I, I'm trying to find weaknesses in this in this lineup, and and Dante and I were talking about this. This might be, and I know it doesn't look it on paper, because like you said, when we first started the show, it looks like the United States is forefront favorites. It just, on paper, it's it's that way. But when you look at the actual integrity of each one of these guys and how they play and, and you know, what their makeup is physically, mentally, they just all look strong. And if you remember, Wiesberger, you said was kind of a surprise. He played extremely well and was one of the workhorses on the President's Cup. So when you look at guys that, you know, you've got four guys over 43, you've got Paul Casey, you've got Westwood, and you've got the absolute needle in Ryder Cups over the last 20 years, Ian Poulter, like you said, I don't see too many chinks in the armor. Uh, Sergio might have one of the low key best records, 22, 12, and seven. Um, He hasn't let down Europe too much at all. And I think Shane Lowry as a captain's pick was just incredible. Um, I'm struggling to find weaknesses with this with this European squad, which scares me. They they look pretty good top to bottom. It's uh it's hard to find a whole lot of weaknesses there. Uh, you know, even a guy like Matt Matt Fitzpatrick, a lot of, a lot of people are saying he hasn't hit the ball far enough to be a, a factor at whistling straights, but one of the best putters in the world. You know, match play always seems to come down to to putting, right? I mean, I think he's going to be definitely a, a factor in this. Uh, Dante, when you look at this this roster. Uh, you know, you, you have Victor Hovland. He's kind of that, that next young up and coming player uh, in that in that uh, generation, uh, just below, uh, you know, younger than John Rahm. Uh, those guys are, are kind of meshing with that older uh, guard of Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia. Do you like the way that this team is uh, kind of mixed together that way? I do. I honestly think it's going to be a strong team because. I'll say it over and over again. It's going to come down to passion. It's going to come down to who wants it more. Obviously, all these guys can seriously play some great golf. And, I mean, just looking at the likes of Shane Lowry, Ian Poulter, Sergio, uh, John Rahm, Rory at times, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick even. They've all shown so much excitement over, like, winning previous tournaments or those that were previously in Ryder Cup. And they – 
when they come out and play for this, I mean, their adrenaline's through the roof. And, you know, you're talking about Matt Fitzpatrick being a little bit behind the guys, but if his adrenaline's rolling, man, he's going to keep up with them, no problem. And, and it's a short sample size, right, for the Ryder Cup. There's, it's only three days of competition. You got to go out and play, and it doesn't take very much to, uh, to have a lot of success or to go the other way as well. Any... Any yeah. partnerships here that we that we see that that could be really interesting? You you'd have to figure that Rory and Rom are probably going to be split up just because they are kind of uh, at face value probably the two most talented and most experienced guys that, uh, that that the European squad has. Are there any other partnerships that you guys would really like to see out, out of this twelve? I mean, I look at Lowry that added as a captain's pick. I think he plays with Rory if he can, being the Ireland guys. I think they they throw a country together and just let those guys go play. Um, I think the same thing could and should happen with Garcia and Rom. I think the two Spaniards go out there and they pull on that heartstring and have them play for their country. Uh, and then you look at Poulter. I think Poulter can go play with anybody. Uh, I, I think he's been there long enough where he can just go get a win. And I think you split the two older guys up. Like, I don't think you ever pair Westwood and Poulter together unless you really need points like late on Saturday. But I, I think you've got so much experience there. You got to split them up. And I think you stick the new kid. I think you stick Hovland with one of the old guys, either Westwood or, or Poulter and let him ride their experience in the coattails and, same with Casey. I mean, there's so much experience there, Dante. You and I were talking about this. That's what the that's what the European side, if they do go on and win, I think has an advantage over the U.S. is that experience that they can pair these new guys up with the guys that have been to five, six, seven Ryder Cups and know how to handle it and and can lean on somebody. Because I think I, I think if you see a difference in in the three days, that's where the the tipping point's going to be. Yeah, you need those veterans. You don't. You need like basically half your team to be like seasoned veterans, just so they can bring the experience of what it's like, not their ability to play, just the flat out experience of what to expect, so they can push it into these young guys, get them with, get them kind of like caught up and trained up, so when you know the next rider comes and like you know, and it's just not my my time, I'm gonna pass the torch. I already passed the torch previously now these guys can you know they're they're well on their way and they can bring in even younger guys to carry this team to a victory i'm on board with both of you guys i'd love to see hovland and westwood i think that'd be a really cool pairing the the young guy going around with westwood who is approaching 50 years old pretty pretty soon here uh can't believe that he is playing uh an, an yet another Ryder cup it seems like he's been playing these for his entire career because because he has uh looking at Sunday singles if you had to pick one guy from Europe and one guy from the U.S. let's say they're they're in a Sunday singles match and it's coming down to these two guys uh, are, are you going with you know the the best of, of each maybe like a Rom JT kind of, of of match or are you going to a guy like Terrell Haddon who has a little bit of a temper maybe going playing uh, you know alongside a Bryson or Patrick Reed if he ends up making making the team what what would, what would you want to see more than anything for a, a Sunday singles well, match Well I love that you even mentioned Terrell Hatton cuz if if people don't follow him on Twitter he's one of the best Twitter follows he knows how to needle guys he knows how to just press the buttons and I think I think that should scare us more on the Sunday singles if he gets sent out in like the first three groups with one of our horses per se and he just he could needle them all day long I think I think he's got the the demeanor to do that so I love that guy just from a personality perspective I think he's hilarious um, 
but yeah, I think if, if we have a ball on the line type of situation and, and we got to rely on a guy, I think it's JT. You look at guys that have the, the proper Ryder cup record, you know, sitting in their stable already, it's JT four and one. I mean, he's going to go out there and battle and he's not going to lose it. If his life depends on it, you know, it's going to take an incredible performance to beat him. Um, and I think on the same side of things, like it just depends where the points stack up after the, you know, the alternate shot, the four ball and whatnot. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who gets paired with who, because it definitely could be, we just got to go out and get points early and close it out. Or we could have to be we're in the position where we're coming from behind. And then you just got to battle and pick your best, uh, you know, your best situations where it might just be sacrificing a guy or two uh, to say, Hey, you know, we're going to let their best guys go out and probably get a point or two and hopefully, you know, somewhere in the middle, make up some ground, vice versa. So, um, but I definitely like on the U S side of things, JT, if, if we have to lean on one guy, I think it's him. And uh, the Americans would love it. If Patrick can't like could be putting anywhere near the level that he was at the BMW championship, they would love that for Sunday singles. They'd probably put him out there if they knew they can get a putter, uh, a putter, a putting performance like that. Uh, Dante, any matchups that you uh, are, are dying to see uh, down the stretch of the Ryder cup? I mean, if you go with like JT, I can possibly see him like matched up with like, if it comes down to the last, the wire, if you're saying him and Ian Poulter, I think would be would be a match just because Ian Poulter, like he's the same, same way. I mean, at one point he almost lost his PGA tour card and had to hit one out of the woods onto the green and then like sunk the putt and everybody was like talking, uh, talking like trash on him and all that. And, you know, he's like, well, I had, I have to execute this shot or I'm done or I have to like start over and go back. And he did it like putting that. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see these guys that are just giving it everything and, they're going to make sure that that shot counts no matter what. Dante, I just, because you were talking about Poulter, looked up his stats. He still, to this day, his first Ryder Cup was in 04. He's played every year since. He's played 04 through 18. So he missed 2016. That was the only year he missed. He's never lost a singles match. He's 5-0-1. <laughs> and He split one, but he's never lost one. That blows Crazy. my mind. That's I mean, incredible. The... Absolutely He's the like definition of Captain America on the European side of things. I mean, that's hundred percent. No one likes him, just like Patrick Reed. But they come out and they <laughs> they shut everybody up when it when it needs to be. Nobody will forget Medina either when he made that putt on seventeen. Uh, he'll, he'll forever live in Ryder Cup lore. Right, we we got to get some predictions. Um, I know we're we're kind of leaning team Europe here. I think I think the US does pull this out very narrowly. I think it's going to be a close Ryder Cup. I'm going to go 14 and a half, 13 and a half uh, in in favor of the US. I really like both squads. Uh, you know, I think the US maybe has slightly more talent and depth, but the, the European team is just so uh, so cohesive and uh, I, I think they're they're going to make it a, a great match. It's going to go right down to the end. Hopefully we get some excitement on Sunday. What, what do you guys think? Where where are you going here? I mean, so we're kind of in a similar position that we were as a U.S. team. I'm saying we as U.S. Um, that we were in in 2018. We were heavy, heavy um, paper favorites, and we got kind of blown out of the water. 17 and a half, 10 and a half. Um, I, I think we're going to be down again come single Sunday. 
not by as much. I think it's going to be a little closer. I just think the U.S. has a couple hot hands, and I think some of the rookies will play well if if Morikawa can come in healthy, um, and we can figure out whatever the heck's going on with uh, with Brooks. And if he plays great, I think he'll play well. Um, just because I think even with his comments made, I think he's still just an incredible talent. Um, but I think it's going to be close. I think you know coming down the stretch, we're going to have a lot of matches on Sunday midday that are going to have to flop our direction uh, to, for us to get the win. But I, I think it's going to be a very close Ryder Cup this year. Dante, your prediction? Only on American, but I think we get smoked. <laughs> I honestly think we're... You're, you're predicting a blowout? Yeah, unfortunately. I, it, I hope they prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. But I just think early prediction, right before we start, I, I think they're going to get smoked. I just don't think they have the guys that want have that Ryder cup energy i just don't think they do they're just very bland and and just keep to themselves i mean uh-huh. i don't know we'll see it'd be great if they prove me wrong fingers crossed but i don't i don't think they're coming out on top the, the european Ryder cuppers it's in their it's in their blood right yeah, like they- the Ryder cup their entire lives, they, they dream about the Ryder Cup, and the U.S. guys just don't have that same relationship to it. it. Perfectly. You know what always amazes me? Every year, the European squad, and this is just what scares me every time the Ryder Cup comes around, it's, it's one guy who you least expect, and someone from the European squad comes up and gets three or four wins. That should have have no business beating whoever they beat either. That's the best part. So that that's always in their back pocket. I feel like somehow it happens every year. Uh, I'm excited to see who steps up, and I'm excited as an American fan who can maybe shut up that you know possible uh, you know I guess you could call him a, a party pooper or whatever. But <laughs> it, it's going to be fun to watch nonetheless. There's going to be like you said, close to 250 thousand fans around Whistling Straits. It's going to be loud. It's going to be great. Um, I'm just excited for the atmosphere. I love Ryder Cup week. So pumped for it to, to happen next Friday, twenty fourth through uh, through next Sunday, the twenty sixth. Guys, thanks for uh, thanks for joining the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Hope you guys both uh, enjoy your Ryder Cup viewing experience. Get the chance to uh, not to wake up at two a.m. this time. You, you get sleep in a little bit late more and uh, get get to watch a little bit later. <laughs> couple less cups of coffee this year than uh than last yes absolutely guys thanks for uh thanks for coming on i really appreciate Appreciate it. it thank you absolutely it was a blast thank you again to dalton and dante for coming on the show i've linked to their pod in the show notes here and i should mention that they have some social accounts you can check out on twitter instagram facebook and youtube they are getting into some cool video content so go ahead and check that out you could also find them at enjoythewalkpod.com i put all this below so go ahead and and give that a listen if you're looking for more information about graph i know i mentioned our website and contact info before but should also mention that we've had three episodes of our behind the ball series with employees of graph talking about the genesis of the idea where the name comes from what we are trying to accomplish here Those are episodes 12, 14, and 16 in our lineup. And if you're looking for an introduction into the products, that would definitely be a good place to start. Also, we have some great written content on our site as well. Last week, we had a piece talking about how ball speed and club head speed affects distance. Next week, we'll be talking about launch angle. So go ahead and check that out. All right, that's all the time we have today. Hope you enjoyed that conversation about the Ryder Cup. We will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.